0: Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and turn to Psalm 90, Psalm 90, and I ask that you stand with me as to read this entire chapter of Psalm 90. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, you children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a the flood. They are lies asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up, and the evening is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thy by thine anger and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength there be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath." So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord, our God, be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us, yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening, Lord, we just ask that you'd speak to our hearts. First, Lord, if there's someone here tonight that is not saved, we pray that you'd open up their eyes to their need of a Savior, and that they may repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. And Lord, for those of us that are saved, Lord, help us to get our focus right and help us to keep our focus right and use us, Lord, as long as you have us here on this earth to bring you glory and praise and honor. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You May be seated. Well, here we are just a few more days we're going to be into another year 2022 i remember when i was a graduate from high school in back in 1970 i remember thinking that 2000 seemed so far away and now here we are going you know 2022 and i think it's always good as the lord uh, admonishes in many different areas for us to be sure we're focused where god wants us to focus And this particular passage helps us think about how we should have our life focused. And, of course, a key verse, I believe, in this chapter is verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. But we're going to kind of go through the entire chapter. I wish we had time to go through every verse extensively because there's so much in it. Uh, But we'll kind of uh, just kind of zoom through it and uh, get to see what God has for us tonight. But the first thing I'd like for us to think that we think here is it's interesting that as God introduced this passage of scripture, I believe the first thing that he tries to get across to us is his preeminence. His preeminence. Because it says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And I believe that's where he wants us to start when we think about making sure our focus is right, that realize that God is to be preeminent in our life, in every area of our life. It is so easy in this, gener- in our, well, every generation, really, I believe, uh, it is so easy to get out of focus and think that, well, no, working and paying the bills is my focus. No, raising my family is my focus. Uh, no, doing this is my focus. And we get out of focus Forgetting that really our main focus should be reminding ourselves that God is to have the preeminence in every part of our life. Every part. And because he said, thou art God. We need to remember that life is not about me. Life is not about you. I know that's kind of demeaning to us. We think, wait a minute, I thought it all revolved around me. No, it doesn't. It's to revolve around God. And that's what's so sad. That's one reason the world is totally out of focus. Because they don't realize that God is to have the preeminence. And so, he, he's, so he's saying there, that, look, it's all about me. God's saying, look, it is all about me. He can claim that. Because it's true. It's all about God. And then with that also, I like what it says there that thou hast been our dwelling place. Our dwelling place. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking like what Brother Mark said about it, and it's good to have uh, the family together and everything like that. Isn't it wonderful to have family and have home? I mean, what do you think about when you think about going home? What do you think? I mean, like, generally speaking, I mean, we're talking about here a good balance. Within reason, I mean, there's nobody perfectly balanced. Uh, Everybody has their quirks. Every family has their certain levels of dysfunctions. But by and large, when you think about going home, it's when like, you know, like, well, like, you know, after church. So you get, the church is over, you go home, you throw off your jacket and your tie. I like to throw mine in the trash, but that's another point. Uh, And then, you know, and you get on your comfortable shoes, your, you know, your lounging clothes, and and then you just kind of, ah, but I can't do that at your house because that's not my home, but in my home I can. And it's also good to be with family when you know, you know everybody, and it's just, and gotta say, look, that's what I want you to think about when you think of me. I am your dwelling place. I want you to realize that I'm home. I'm family. And, re- and realize what you need, just like, you know, we do need families. God ordained that we have families here on this earth, husband and wife and children, and and I mean, I mean, I'm so thankful that once my wife has passed, my daughter's in Pittsburgh, that, you know, I, my church family has truly been my family. And it's such a blessing, such a, a tremendous blessing. And so God is saying, I want you to think of, that, uh, think of me that way, that you're always home when you're with me because I am the preeminent one in life. And then also it says that one thing we need to remember too, notice it says Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. It's something about our human finiteness you might say. We think that we're the greatest generation. That everything is revolved around this generation. But you know what? Every generation has thought that. Every generation has gone through the thinking. Well, everything. I mean, uh, whether it's the 1800s, 1700s, 1500s all the way. Every generation has Had to have the same focus that God is to be preeminent. And it's not, and generation comes and generation goes. It's just like I was talking with my brothers. I mean, my oldest brother's, let me see, he's 74, and the other one's 73, and I'll be 70 next July. And I'm thinking, I told him, I said, you know what, Gary? That's my oldest brother. We are now the oldest generation. I mean, the oldest in our generation. We are now the old folks. It's hard to think that, but it's true. We're, we're the old folks. And I mean, because you think about it, you know, when you're growing up, you always think of, well, they're the old folks. Well, now we are the old folks. Okay? And uh, so it's thinking about, well, what, what, you know what that? Every generation goes through that. Every generation. Life comes and life goes, but one thing that remains constant is the need to see the preeminence of God. <coughs> the preeminence of God. That should always be our focus. It's not about humanity. It's about God. And we could go into a lot of study about dispensationalism about how God has worked in each different generations and each and every dispensation. But again, the whole thing, when you kind of back up and look at the whole picture from like creation to the end of the millennium, it's all about God. It's not about us. It's about God. And so that's how he's starting off. You want to focus for 2022? Then remember, he is to have the preeminence. But then he goes on in this good bit of this passage. And gives the exact opposite. On one hand, he's talking about the preeminence of God. Now he starts talking about the finiteness of man. The finiteness of man. One thing he emphasizes here, which is somewhat. Disheartening <coughs> is he starts talking about the brevity of man's life. The brevity of man. And notice several different ways that he uses these parallels to emphasize life is really brief. First of all, notice it says there, um, verse 5, Thou carriest them away as with a flood. <coughs> You ever, you know, when we watch on news, when they show when a flood, like a few years ago, uh, a tremendous flood happened in West Virginia. They had like five or six inches of rain. Now, five or six inches of rain around here is nothing. I mean, you get it a little while, it's all soaked into the ground or drained off, whatever. But when you get those mountains and you get five or six inches of rain, it all goes down the bottom. And there's a town close to where we lived, uh, there on the Greenbrier River. And it showed pictures of like a whole house caught up in the flood, floating down, and, and hitting a bridge and busting up. I mean, think about it, there, there goes your home. And so God is saying, your life is like a flood. I mean, it can just be gone before you know it. Like a flood. Destroyed, ruined, gone. And then notice the next thing he says, they are as asleep. They are as asleep. You know what it's like? I mean, you think about what, it's like to be, to, what sleep is like. You lay down at night, and once you finally get to sleep, the next thing you know, the, the alarm clock's going. And, the, it, <clears throat> and you don't remember. I mean, you're not sitting there watching the clock. I mean, during the daytime, you know, a lot of times, oh, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, now it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. But when you sleep, you're not looking at the clock. And i got to kind of figure up a little mathematical equation. Say, on average, we sleep six hours a night. Six hours a night. And you live to be 72 years old you realize that 18 years of your life was sleeping? And when you're sleeping, what's going on? Nothing. (laughs) And so God is saying, that's where your life is. It's really, I mean, it's like that, and it can be just a bunch of nothing. It's like a sleep. Like a sleep. And then it goes on and says, and uh, in the morning they are like grass which groweth up. And if you've got a yard, think about it. I mean, it's like here at the church. When the grass is growing every year, turf teams out there, they mow it down. And what happens? Next week, got to do it again. It grows up, it's cut down. Grows up, it's cut down. Grows up, cut down. Generation after generation after generation, that's what happens to man. One generation grows up, it's gone. Another generation comes right back up. Zzz, it's gone. If you want something to help you to think about the how generations come and go, just walk through an old cemetery. You know, this, the 1700s, then the 1800s, and the 1900s. Now we're getting into the 2000s. Okay, so God is really trying to emphasize for us to to remember we are here just for a short time, just for a short time. Because uh, notice what it also says there in the. Verse 4, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and is a watch in the night. I mean, t- time really is totally irrelevant in God's perspective. And really, once we, I believe once we enter into eternity, time's not going to be a factor at all. I mean, I've often wondered about like, you know, people that you love and you are saved, they're in heaven, they've been there for 20 years. I doubt that they're looking at their watch. Well, I wonder when my husband's coming up, you know? It could be that because time is not a factor there, that, oh, there you are. You know, it hasn't been that long at all. Now, for us, it seemed like a long time, but to them, no, it's nothing. But you know what? For us, we just need to see life is a vapor. It goes by quickly. Remember what it was like? I'm talking here to us older people. Uh... Notice I didn't say old, okay? But uh, what well, I was like, couldn't wait till you're 16. Man, I can't wait till I'm 16 to get my driver's license. You know, and then I can, I, can, I can drive without having to have dad with me. I'm 16. And then after I was 16, it's was like, man, I can't wait till I'm 21. You know, then I'm really considered an adult, whatever that means, okay? And then after that, it's like, you know, it's like, well, man, I can't wait. I remember when I was first pastor and I couldn't wait till I hit 40. Because it seemed like so many people thought well, you're just in your 30s. What do you know? So, well, maybe once I hit 40, they'll think I've got a little bit of wisdom. Okay, all right. And uh, so, just think about it. Then later, then later, going to life, man, I can't wait till I'm 65 so I can retire. And then after that, what's what is there? Well, that's the golden years. And brother, like brother John and I were talking about. You know why they call them the golden years? Because all your gold goes to the doctors. But Lord, what do you say in here? And then notice also another place he says, in verse 9, he says, we spend our years as a tale that is told. Let me tell you about my grandpa Dickman. I can tell you about him in about five minutes. Let me tell you about my grandma Parsons. I can tell you about her. I take a little 10 minutes. She was a spicy woman. Might take 10 minutes, but just real quickly, I can sum up our whole life in a short little story. And if the Lord tarries and we go, are gone, that's what will happen to our lives. It'll just be a concise little story. I mean, you think about it, you go to a cemetery and the whole life is summed up in one little dash. 1896 when my grandma was born to 1989, summing up to one little dash, a tale that is told. What the Lord is trying to get us to see is that I am to have the preeminence and your life is really short. It's going to go by fast. I mean, I, like I said, I mean, I, it's still hard for me to think that next year I'm going to be 70 years old. I don't feel 70. You ever thought about that? How You always feel about 10 years younger than what you really are, but then your body reminds you that you're not. But your life is just a tale, it's, it's brief. It's just like a vapor. Before you know it, it comes to an end. And so God is trying to get our attention to realize look, as we think of focusing, a real focus upon life, realize your life is really short and it is going to go by quickly. So you need to be sure your focus is right. Don't waste your life. And that's the sad thing about when a lost person or a backslidden Christian go through all of life without God being the focus, without God being the preeminence, they've wasted their whole life. Wasted it. And so God's trying to get our attention here. But as we continue on talking about man's finiteness, he's not only talking about the brevity of life, but he also talked about the struggles of man. The struggles of man. Because notice, what? Well, let's look at verse 3. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, "Return, ye children of men." Now that sounds, as you first read that, kind of like, man, what in the world is the Lord saying here? And I think what I personally think this is my uh, personal interpretation. I think he's referring to the fact that we're going to die someday. That, in the sense that, because of Adam's sin, the soul that sinneth shall surely what die. And it says, return ye children, men. What did he tell Adam? He said, from dust thou art and to dust thou shalt what? Return. Return. Our our life, we're just dirt. Reconstituted dirt is what we are. And so the Lord is saying, look, you know, you came from dirt, you're going to return to dirt. I mean, what does that do? That helps us realize, boy, we really are, compared to God, we're nothing. And then also notice it says there in verse 10 the days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. Labor and sorrow. Now, he's talking about how many years we sleep. Think about how many years we spend just working. Just simply working. Now, it's it's biblically, it's God ordained that we work. You know, some people think, well, work is a result of the curse. No, it's not. God told Adam to till the land and keep it before the curse. Work is a God ordained part of our lives. The curse means it's just going to be difficult it's just going to be difficult and it's going to have its challenges you're going to get tired you're gonna have problems my biggest problem is trying to figure out how to use my computer okay and you think about every job every job I remember my dad when I was a teenager We was working on our bees and for those who don't know, I, we were a long line of professional beekeepers. We had like 300 hives. And I remember we was going down the road, going to a yard to work on it. And my dad said, you know, Dale, every job has some part of it that you will not enjoy. But a good worker will do it anyway. And, you know, that has gotten me many times. i would hit something. I just don't really want to do that. I'd hear my dad's voice in the back. So it's okay. I'd get, get to it. But it was true. You think about how much life is just pure Repetitive labor. How many dishes have you ladies washed in the last week? Don't answer that. Hopefully, your husband helped. Okay, now I've gone to meddling, haven't I? Uh, But you know, think about it. How much labor is just pure repetitive work? Mowing the yard back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Going to work and do whatever you do, just same old thing. Day after day after day, month, week after week, month after month, year after year. Just plain, simple, repetitive stuff. God said, That's part of life. That's part of life. And you, and you know, you get there some days, you just don't feel like going to work. There are days you just feel like, Man, I really, I wish I could just stay home. I just, or maybe get bored with your work. God said, Look, I know what your life is like it's full of labor and it's full of sorrow. I would venture to say every one of us could come up here and tell, share things that have caused great sorrow through your life. Whether it's the death of a loved one, whether it's health issues, financial problems, family problems, personal problems, our life is full of sorrow. So again, God, what God's trying to get us to understand is like, These things we go through life, but the question is, where is your focus? Where is your focus? If your focus is your laboring, your sorrows, woe is me. If your focus is just, you know, the mundaneness of life, we're truly missing the point of why we're even here. So he's talking about, again, man's struggles, but then he also talks about man's accountability because right in the middle of all that, I think it's interesting, the Lord put in verse 8. Look at verse 8. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. What do we see there? God is saying in the midst of your life that is so brief, there's one thing we also need to remember. We're going to give an account someday before a holy God with the choices we make with life. And notice he said, the secret sins. I think he emphasized that, the idea that, you know, there's a lot of things we don't do because we're afraid somebody's going to see us. But there's some things we do that nobody knows, but God does. And he said, you're going to give an account. I'm going to give an account. And I, th- I think it's interesting, He said, he said there, he's going to give an account in the light of thy countenance. Remember how the Lord uh, Jesus talked about how that uh, man loves darkness rather than light because the light shows the sin? It's kind of like, you know, if you've got a house, let me tell you about my house. I've got some windows on the one side that when the sun comes up, and if it's a sunny morning, you know, and it comes in and it shines real good. And it's just like, uh, you know, I get through cooking breakfast whatever, and I wipe everything down, all the counters everything. The sun comes up and shines and single Man, did I miss a lot of crumbs. Or, if you, you know, you've, you've washed the windows, and then the sun shines through the windows. I thought I cleaned those windows. Now, i got to tell you, one, there's one window I don't know if I'll ever clean. Because shortly after Mary passed away, uh, Angela was there, and Deborah came over with Josiah, and on the bottom window of my door, there's a handprint, two or three of them. Okay, and I know who made those. And so I kind of enjoy when the sun shines because that's the only time I see it is when the sun's shining through it. But you think that that's what light does. It'll show you, I mean, you know, I'm sure you ladies know what it's like. When the sun's shining on your floor, then you see all the dust, the spots, and everything like that. that normally, I didn't know that was there. Well, that's what God is saying. In the light of my countenance, I see even your secret sins and I'm going to hold you accountable to them. I'm going to hold you accountable for every choice you've made of how you've responded to life. Everything. So with all that put together about how God's trying to get us to see what we are as human, then he says, verse 12, so teach us. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. He's saying there, look, this is way we're seeing, man's, God's preeminence, God, man's finiteness. And then we get the part where God starts exhorting man, to where, here's how you should have a focus. Number one, teach us to number our days. I don't think what he's saying, I don't think he's saying about, well, let me see, I think I'm going to live to be 74. We don't know that. We don't know how long we have here on this earth. So I think when he's talking about numbering number our days, he's saying, realize your days are numbered and that your life is going to come to an end someday. Whether it's by the rapture or by death, your life is going to end someday. So number your days, because it will come to an end here on this mortal body. And so as we think about, yeah, my life's going to come to an end, and as I look back, how did I live my life? and learn from it so that we can look to the future and say, here's how I need to keep my focus. Here's where I need to keep my priorities. So teach us to number our days, realizing that, again, like you see in most of this chapter, life is brief, and before you know it, it's going to be over. So where's your focus? And so he says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. God is saying what you need to focus upon is learning wisdom. Well, what is wisdom? Wisdom is different than knowledge. Wisdom is knowing how to live a life that pleases God. And he's saying, look, I am the preeminent one, and your life is there for the purpose of pleasing me. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. God created us for the purpose of bringing him pleasure. That should be our focus. That should be our, our primary heartbeat. That should be our passion. Above all things, Lord, I want to please you in every area of my life. That's seeking wisdom. Lord, what kind of a husband do you want me to be? Lord, what kind of wife do you want me to be? Lord, what kind of a worker do you want me to be? Lord, how do you want me to spend my money or save my money? Lord, how do you want me to respond to this difficult situation? Lord, what do you want me to do about this? Our passion should always be, Lord, what will please you? And that's wisdom. That's seeking wisdom seeking God's guidance, God's direction, God's principles of how He wants us to live. And so he's saying, teach us the number of days that we may... And then he says, apply our hearts unto wisdom. You know what he's talking about there? Choosing to act according to wisdom. Choosing to act according to wisdom. Just like we discussed this morning in Sunday school classes, like, you know, how you live truly reflects what you really believe. And what you believe will affect how you live. And so we need to be seeking God's wisdom, God's principles, God's precepts, so that we may choose and apply it so that it will please God. And then, what are the benefits of pleasing God? I think it's interesting then, when he closes this chapter out, he says, teach us the number of days we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And then he gets to verse 14. And he says, oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy. With thy mercy. You know, the more we see who God is, and the more we see who we are, we need to be like, some people say, our pastor says it quite often, better than I deserve. Better than I deserve. That's God's mercy. And we need to be, we can go through life being satisfied with life when we understand the mercy of God upon us. So many times we struggle with being satisfied with life. And why is that? Because we're too earthly focused. But when our focus is pleasing the Lord, even in the midst of struggles, we can be satisfied because we realize that, God, you're truly being merciful to me. And I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for how you have so poured your mercy upon me. And I'm satisfied with life. And that's one of the blessings of seeking His wisdom. But notice something else he says. It's in verse 14. And that we may rejoice and be glad. All our days make us glad according to the days when thou hast afflicted us. You know what? God wants us to be glad. He doesn't want us to be sad. Hey, I just made a rhyme. I didn't know I had any poetry in me. But you think about God, He says that He wants us to be glad. He wants us to enjoy life. Even in the midst of its labor and sorrow. So if we're not enjoying life in the midst of our labor and sorrow, then our focus is out of focus. That's what God's trying to say to us here. He said, have me as preeminent in your life, and even as you go through the labor and sorrow of your your tale that is told, you can still be glad. You can still have joy. That doesn't mean we're going to go around smiling all the time, praise God, hallelujah, I'm happy, happy, happy. No, that's not. God understands that struggles are real. He's a compassionate God. He's an understanding God. He knows that we struggle through it. But in the midst of our struggles, are we going to the Lord with Him? And as we go to the Lord, then we can have the peace and the joy and the gladness that He wants to give us. And then I like also, then it says, verse 17, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us as we seek wisdom and apply it. I think when it says, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, the way I see that is God looks down and smiles. When we seek wisdom and apply it, God looks down and smiles. Can you think of anything better than that? To know that God is smiling upon I'm telling you, they're going through a rough time, but they're seeking my face. They're, run, they're running to me. Man, that makes me happy. The beauty of the Lord is upon us as we seek wisdom and apply it. And that should be one of our goals. Let I mean, you think about like a little kid, you know, when you're training a little kid or whatever, and every now and then, you know, you'll have a kid will do something, and he turns around and looks to see if mommy and daddy's looking. And want we'll to see if mommy and daddy's giving them up. You're doing a good job, son. You're doing a good job, daughter. Well, that's the way we should be with the Lord. We should be looking for a smile. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Because then, you know what's happening? There? Then we're making Him preeminent. Realizing the person we're trying to please is not my spouse, not my children, not my parents, not my boss, not my coworkers, not my neighbors. I'm just wanting to please God. Because, you know, if, if, our, if that is our focus, it doesn't matter what the other people think if we're pleasing God. Because He is the preeminent one in our heart. And that's the focus we need to have for 2022. And then lastly, it says, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. You know, God has job for us. God wants us to serve. He not only wants us to love Him, He wants us to serve Him. And I think that one of the goals we should have (coughs) as he is preeminent in our lives, Lord, whatever you have called me to do, may I do it in a way that brings eternal value. You know, as we serve the Lord in the capacity that he's gifted us, the capacity he's called us to, whether it is as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a worker, as a minister, Our goal should be, Lord, I want you to be glorified through how I serve you. Because you are preeminent in my life and heart. That's what God wants. And and then again, I just again love that verse, the first part of that verse. And let the beauty of the Lord, our God, be upon us. No greater joy, no greater blessing than realize that you've done your best to the glory of God, and God is pleased. And we, have, and we have that focus. We can look back over our life as, we come to, as it comes to an end, whenever that may be. I thank God that I served God. Now, yeah, we'll all have our regrets. I mean, there's things, I mean, I wish I could go all the way back to my teen years. There's things I look back like, man, I was really ignorant or I was real stupid or I was real arrogant or, or whatever. And I made some wrong choices. We all have that. But the main thing God wants to see, though, in our heart, do we want to please God? Learn from our mistakes, learn from our sins. But our focus is, Lord, I want to please you. And that's what God's looking for. And so let us let that be the focus of our heart for 2022 and glorify God through it, through our lives. Let's close the word of prayer. They were head bowed and bowed closed. Right now, I encourage you, exhort you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Where's your focus? Some of you are probably going through some real struggles right now of any sort. Are you going to the Lord with it? Are you seeking His face? Going through some struggles, or are you crying out to him for grace? Praying, Lord, may you be glorified through this. I don't know how, but Lord, be glorified through this in my life. Are you thinking about the future, making decisions? Or are you asking, Lord, give me wisdom to what your will is? Because I know that's what will glorify you, and that is also what is best for me. So even right now, it's a yield to the Lord. Say, yes, Lord. You're going to have the preeminence in my heart and life. Father, we come to you tonight. Oh, how we thank you and praise you for the great glorious God that you are. <coughs> and Father, may you just, through your Holy Spirit, truly speak to our hearts that we will hunger and thirst after you with every part of our being. And in Christ's name we ask it. Amen.